Here's a tip on differentiators, guys. If the next person next to you can say it, it's not a differentiator. I'm going to give you some marketing gold inside Reproductive Health Audience before we start making an editorial transition. There's going to be less fertility bridge content, more content about news coverage in the field. So reporting news stories as they have. We'll still do podcasts with guests, but I want to bring you more news coverage because that's what people are asking for. We don't have a Forbes of our field. We don't have a Bloomberg of our field. We don't have that trade media outlet. It's always been the Inside Reproductive Health podcast, but I want to bring that to you in other formats, in the Weekly Digest, and it's in the podcast as well. And then Others, uh, to the extent that we, we get more people behind it and, and build out more. Uh, but the types of things we want to report on is Mark Siegel stepping down as CEO of U.S. Fertility. John Pardue stepping down as CEO of CCRM Fertility. What does that mean? Um, people doing fundraises and closes like EGHMD closing on a round recently. And so I want to bring that type of news to you because you all are hungry for it. And for the most part, it's not being reported in other media outlets. So you're gonna have less of this type of uh, marketing advice or the things that Fertility Bridge does. Those brands are starting to separate, but the but I wanna give you some, some brand wisdom before I do. And I want you to do this and think about this whether you use Fertility Bridge, my firm, or any other one, I don't care. I don't care, guys. This is the way it works. When I talk about kind body, I'm not talking about freaking yellow colors. I'm talking about the power of Apple, the power of Spanx, the power of Nike coming to the fertility field. And many of you are positioned on the complete opposite of the spectrum. I'm not saying that you have to go to that level of global consumer branding. Most of you wouldn't be able to, even if you wanted to. Cost a ton of money. It takes a ton of effort and institutional structure to be able to accomplish it. But you can at least make sure that you're not positioned like an old general practice firm when do I want to go there or do I want to go to the place that looks like it is most in line with my values and what I'm comfortable with? So I'm going to phase it out for you. And, uh, and I want you to approach it in this phase because you can err on either side when you start to do a brand. You can err on the side of the creatives are doing all of the work and you get something that isn't you. Or you can err on the side of you feel like you're doing everything. And it's like, what did I even hire these designers, this brand manager, these writers, this creative team for? So the first thing is positioning. Positioning has to be done. I recently had a client ask when we were talking about core values, isn't this like, isn't this like kind of like millennial fluffy stuff? It is if you don't do anything with it. If it's just words on paper, then it is. But the first thing that you have to do is say, these are our practices, core values, our purpose, our differentiators. Here's a tip on differentiators, guys. If the next person next to you can say it, 
it's not a differentiator. If the next person next to you said, yeah, we offer personalized care too. Yeah, we offer state-of-the-art technology. Yeah, we have the best doctors. That's, that's not a differentiator. A differentiator is something that someone else can't empirically say. We were the first egg freezing practice in town. Uh, we do the most cycles in this marketplace. We're the biggest independent practice in this state, whatever it might be. Those things are your differentiators. And with regard to your values, your purpose, your you know, mission statement, if it feels fluffy to you, make it less, make it less than, but make it the things that you can point to. If this person isn't these things, then they have no business working at our firm. They have no business working at our practice, that is. And, uh, and you should have no less than three of them. You should have no more than seven of them. Here's a tip for you too. This is what I do with our clients. So clients that are spending more money on branding, we will actually talk with employees and we'll do surveys and we'll do surveys with patients and you know get them to sign the HIPAA authorizations that we can talk to them, all, all that sort of thing. Actually have a number of the creative team talk to these folks. But for clients that spend less on branding, we will go through Fertility IQ. We'll go through uh, Google reviews. We'll go through Glassdoor if they have enough reviews and see what people have said about them. And then when there is something that they can use that is uh, that is said enough. This is a frequent pattern. Everyone talks about how this practice holds your hand through the way. And maybe that becomes a, something that has to do with compassion becomes one of your core values. Conversely, if they do something that, if, if there's a common pattern of, you know, your, your, your nurses drop the ball or, uh, you know, an example of, you know, they, they, you know, we're, we're slammed, uh, we're slammed so busy that we don't get back to people. You want to have a value that addresses that so that people, you're, you're getting people in that aren't totally floored by it. Um, so if you, if you're, if you have the type of uh, managerial behavior where you just tell people how it is, you have to have some type of value for directness uh, that you're getting people that, that are aligned with that. So that, that's your position. You do that first. You do that with your partners. That has to be done by the chief executive, the managing partner, whoever the senior partner has to be done at the very top. Marketing director can't do it for you. CMO can't do it for you. A firm can't do it for you. You have to do the position. Those a firm can facilitate it for you, but you have to do it yourself. Now, when you move on to the actual brand, the first thing that you want to have done is have the, the creatives should be doing an assessment and they should be coming to you with more specific questions. Remember the airing on either side, you can err on the side of the creative team is doing everything for you. They're suggesting everything and it's not your brand. It's, it's something that just gets slapped on you or you're doing everything, change that color, change that word. And, and then it's like, why did I even hire these people? And so because you can do that, they should be coming to you with specific questions. I notice when we ask, if you've got somebody new on the creative team, for example, if we ask general questions, 
that pisses the client off, pisses me off too. It's a bit counterintuitive because normally the more open-ended questions that you ask, the more of a true, authentic listener you are, right? And often the more someone feels heard because you're not coming in with any assumptions. But when you do that in branding, it, it, it especially with physicians and people that this is not their main thing that they want to be doing, they feel less heard. Like, why don't you know that? Why, what, what did we hire you for? What, what does that even mean? If you watch the movie, The Greatest Movie Ever Sold, it's Morgan Spurlock, the filmmaker from Super Size Me, and he does a movie entirely about product placement. And they go to uh, a big creative agency in Pittsburgh, and they're asking him these very open-ended questions like, what does that mean to you? How, how do you feel when you see this? And his brain starts to spin. So I try to pair our creative team down more than they probably like. Uh, but if they had their way, it would be, it'd be infinite. And, and the, the client doesn't love that. So you want, to have the, you want to have an assessment where they're coming to you with some specific questions, not so open-ended, a couple open-ended questions, and not infinite number of questions too six or eight questions and then you can go down some rabbit holes and they should also be coming with what they're ready to challenge you about your brand if there's something about your logo that they see not right with the marketplace your colors your design your messaging they should be able to have that in the brand assessment that discussion happens after position that it's what helps to establish the voice in the image later on. So you've done positioning, then you've done an assessment, which leads you into voice and image. And it's good to do voice first, come up with that mission statement. They can come up with options for you, or you can do a workshop, you can come up with a tagline and a slogan for you, and they can come up with your brand voice. We do taglines and slogans for people. We have taglines and slogans for both inside reproductive health and for Fertility Bridge, and they're different. The slogan, like the rah-rah and the tagline is literally what you do that you can explain to somebody that's never heard of you in one sentence. For inside reproductive health, our slogan is takeaways every time. The rah-rah, it sounds good. If you know what inside reproductive health is, you know what that means. If you don't know what reproductive inside reproductive health is, that, that would just be a platitude to you. So the tagline is the media outlet for the business side of the fertility field. Oh, I know what that is. Tagline, literal, slogan, rah-rah. In your brand voice, we've we've done big brand voice sections in brand guides before. And we've also done uh, smaller ones. For most of you in the fertility field, the smaller ones are better. What happens most of the time is writers look at a big brand voice and they end up not using it because they it, it's not communicated what they're supposed to write in. So we make it like a page, half a page sometimes. This is how we sound. And, uh, and then make sure that your writers actually use that. Anybody writing for you, whether it's web content or social media or, or stuff you're doing internally, make sure that they actually use it. The length isn't, isn't the biggest deal. I could, yes, I could see why Disney would have a big brand voice. But for most of you, smaller and then just make sure that they use it so you've done your positioning you've assessed your brand you've done your voice and you're proving all of these in sections because 
Our goal is that you have a really nice brand guide before you implement anything. You don't want to be, you're not implementing while you're doing this. You're not like, oh, we got our slogan. Let's update this on the website. Oh, we have our mission statement. Let's make sure we got this up on the wall right now. You're not doing any of that until your whole brand is done in the guide. You're getting your Bible first before you go out and and, and start changing everything. Otherwise, you'll go into revision hell and everyone will hate you. Once you've done voice, now you're ready to do image. And the first thing should be your image guide. You, and you're not taking photos or doing videos at, at this point. It's just, this is what our images look like. This is the style. We use our lab coats. We don't use our lab coats. We, uh, we take candid fun ones or we don't. You should have images that represent that style and that should be in your guide before you start doing video and photo do your fonts and your colors separately isolate the variables i've seen clients and creatives do this on opposite like they've each aired on either side the best way to think of this is you make you pick out your dress first positioning then you pick out your shoes then you pick out your belt. Then you pick out your accessories. Not, I have to wait for to see which one looks for best with this one. It's which shoes look best with this dress. Okay, now which belt looks best with this shoes and this and this dress. I understand that some of you are gonna buck from that, and there's probably some brands where it makes sense to buck from that, where the vast majority of you, especially those multiple partners having to say, do it that way. Pick out your fonts, pick out your colors, pick out your image guide, and do this all before you do the next phase because uh, you will, you'll, you'll run into less of those variables. So when you're looking at fonts, when I have our creatives present fonts, I have them present the fonts in the client's normal colors, or in their, uh, or in black and white. And then when I have them do colors, I have them do it with their existing font in their existing logo. So they're not, they're not seeing so many variables at once. Okay, I like those fonts. I like those colors. So you've you've approved your positioning. You've had an assessment that set you up for your voice, and you went through and you approved your voice and your mission statement, your tagline, your slogan, your voice guide. Then you've approved, then you went on to the next phase with imaging, you approved your image guide, your fonts, your colors. Then you can start to make some of the, the templates. And that is a, that could be a brand story. If you know that you're going to be wanting doing videos soon, and I recommend most people do have a, a brand story for video. It's, it's awesome. It gets everybody excited. It can last for years. It's worth spending a ton of money on. And it's worth closing your office on a Thursday or a Friday. And and coming in on a weekend if you have to, to do it uh, as long as you do it right. So that's where the brand storyboard is found. If you if you're gonna make a video about your brand story, build out the whole storyboard first. Then prove that first. That's where your logo, if you're redoing the logo, that's where that's gonna come in, into play. Is that now you have a new logo? And because you've already approved the fonts, you've already approved the colors, so you're just looking at what, and, and you've approved your voice, so the logo should be representative of that. It should it should be some kind of of symbol for that, even if you're just updating your logo. So we have some clients that are like, we really like this logo, 
Tell us more about what you like about it. Tell us more. And then, uh, and then we'll often end up updating it. So, you know, we'll come to them with like, design principles or other things to consider in the marketplace. And, uh, and then we're updating it based on, on that. So when, when you're approving your logo, it should be, you're looking at the logo and you're not thinking about all of the other potential things because it will, it will drive you off track. Uh, and that's when you start creating templates before you start implementing it. This is the web page mock-up. This is the social media mock-up, our business cards. And so at the end of this, you want your final brand guide. It can be maybe 12 pages. You know, for most of you, it probably should be more than 20. There's there's some of you that might have really long brand guides for those of you that are like consumer brands, global consumer brands, but that's only a few of you listening. For the most part, it's going to be somewhere between 10 and 20 pages for your final brand guide. The point is that people use it. It's not, it's not how long it is. And that's worth spending time on. It's worth spending some money on. And then you can implement those things. If you do it in that order, you're going to have a brand that you're happy with, that you're positioned well for, against the consumer global brands coming in, that you don't look like an old doctor's office or an old pharmacy or whatever kind of company you are, but you also haven't just copied somebody else and you haven't forced yourself so much into the rah-rah or the fluffy that it doesn't feel like you do it in that order, do it thoughtfully, spend some money, spend some time. Um, but those are the phases. You do those things, you're going to have a successful brand. So I hope this has been useful to you. And if you'd like some of my tips on that, just send me an email, griffin at fertilitybridge.com. And uh, I hope you enjoyed this episode because there's only be, going to be a couple more like them. And as we start to cover more of the news content and separate the fertility bridge and inside reproductive brands some more, inside reproductive health brands some more, I should be reading from my guide. You've been listening to the Inside Reproductive Health Podcast with Griffin Jones. If you're ready to take action to make sure that your practice thrives beyond the revolutionary changes that are happening in our field and in society, visit fertilitybridge.com to begin the first piece of the fertility marketing system, the goal and competitive diagnostic. Thank you for listening to Inside Reproductive Health.